Hello and welcome to the Hearts View with me, Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is David to talk about the, the goings on in the last few weeks within Scottish football. Hearts appointing a new CEO, getting fans back into stadiums, and a chat about the group stage draw for the Betfred Cup. So, how are we this week, guys? Very well, very well. Yourself? I'm good, I'm good. Doing well, doing fine. Uh, we're going to start and talk about Scottish football. Um, last week we were Hearts started pre-season training a couple of weeks ago. Hearts started pre-season training. And then they were told to stop. But then an English team ended up training in our um, at our training ground at Orium. How How does that work? Well, well, why why go into rant mode, or do you want to start, David? I'll, I'll get in before uh, before you start. I'll let you have a couple of minutes to think. Um, <coughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <coughs> the joint response group came out with that that statement a couple of weeks ago, and uh, to be honest, I read it, but I knew I knew the the main points of it, and the hearts were told to cease training up until the twenty fourth, um, when the other clubs in in all four leagues could 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 start. Um, I mean. Look, listen, only in the world of Scottish football could two clubs who broke the rules not get punished and clubs who didn't break the rules do. I mean, it seems to be another thing. We can, we can, I mean, I, I, I actually fear sometimes going on Twitter and seeing a notification come up about Hearts or Scottish football because I just think, oh, what now? What possibly could they come up with next? And they seem to outdo themselves every every week uh, that they come up with something. Um, I mean, they, they try to also say that Celtic and Aberdeen did get punished, though they got fined and whatever. But... These clubs can afford that. What's that? Five grand at Celtic's pocket? Aye, no bother. Aberdeen, aye, oh, their game got postponed. What a shame. Aye, they played it and they won. So, let's be honest, there was no punishment there whatsoever. Uh, pretty pathetic. I think Hearts made their uh, feelings very clear in that statement that uh, that Budge, or whoever, I imagine Budge wrote it, um, put out. Um, and I think, look, it's just another uh, point that Hearts have in the lack of sort of just any sort of competence that Scottish football seems to have and just when people start to think that okay maybe they can just put the everything behind them after the the court case and the whole shambles that was ending the season early they've managed to spark up another fire with this so uh, yeah it was a good week wasn't it um, so yeah another shambles as to be expected really you can hardly say you were surprised when you seen it well, they just generally do find new ways of um not surprising us, but baffling us, I suppose you could say. Um, the whole thing stinks. It stinks. And, uh, you know, I, I listened to uh, the, the, the Sports Sound sort of um, show kind of directly after it happened. And uh, Daryl Broadthroot was on it. And obviously he's and, and wired into the, the SFA and things like that. And he says, listen, it's not about hearts. It's, um, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's, it's complete nonsense. You know, well, let's, let's not make it about hearts and things like that. Of course it's about hearts. I mean, how, how could it not be about hearts? First of all, they've relegated... Well, it's, it's not even a relegation. They've demoted us into the, 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 the next-again league, right? When we haven't actually... They haven't finished the season. Secondly, despite us training for an entire week, they've then set a tournament of two weeks or whatever it was, they've then turned around and, because two other clubs broke the rules, they've said, oh, yeah, every, everyone has to, to stop playing football. It's complete, utter nonsense, I'm sorry, but they, they could have went down and, and had these COVID checks. And, and, and it's their performance centre anyway, Hearts are training yeah. it. So, uh, you know, what's, what's, what's the issue here? 
I mean, you can't turn around and then tell me that it's it's a whole football problem when when the Premiership's still playing and those they're the ones that broke the rules in the first place. It's it's utterly embarrassing, and um, you know, I think I think the fallout from all this will take a long, long time to clear and, and recover, and it just sums sums this, you know any trust or or anything that I I've ever had in, in Scottish football. And just blows it away because I mean it, it, everything that highlights the incompetence of of the SPFL and the SFA over this past six months has just came to a head. Um, the way they've treated not just Hearts but obviously Partick Thistle and, and Stranraer, and then the way they've they've gave favouritism to to clubs like you know, and I'll, I'll say Celtic and Aberdeen because let's be honest with you, you know they've they've still came out of this pretty well. Yeah, their players got fined and things like that. They should have been deducted points, in my opinion. I know it's harsh, but it's the times we're living in. Um, they should, they should have, they should have both, had to, they should have had to lose the games that they couldn't play three yeah. 0 Instead, they rescheduled the game against St Johnston, mm-hmm. played it on Thursday there, and Aberdeen, uh, ironically, win one nil. Um, where St Johnston should have had a three nil win. Um, it's the same with Celtic as well. The games that they got postponed, obviously, I know they were due to play each other, but that that should have just went down as. I don't know, as, as yeah, exactly, as a nil-nil or something. Yeah. Um, but but ultimately, it's it's just it's it's a disgrace. And and then and then they come out and say because these these players have uh, broke the, the the rules that were put in place, all football is is going to stop. Now all football wasn't stopped because it was you know the top flight still played. Mm-hmm. So a team who's done absolutely nothing wrong is training, is following all the social distance rules. All the isolation rules, and the, you know we, we're the ones that's punished. And then you have these these clubs who are coming out and saying, "Oh, it isn't fair that Hearts are training anyway when they were given the exact same date to start on anyway." Yeah. It just shows you that it's about Hearts. And I guarantee, if it was any other football club that was in this position, people would be like, "Oh, yeah, just you know, let's let's try and work something out for them because they've had a difficult time." No, it's hard. So let's just stick the but, stick the boot in further. Yeah. Could you argue? Could you argue it's, it, they're sort of punishing Hearts for doing things right? And Hearts are still paying the players. Hearts are still are out are out training rightfully because they're paying the players to train. Yeah. You look at the money that Hearts have spent to get these players back early, and I mean now that they've they, they've took them off furlough, so they are paying their wages again. Um, they're paying for for COVID tests. They're they're paying you know to obviously utilize the the training facilities and things like that they've just employed new coaches they've just bought a few new players and things like that so you know the money's going out and no money's coming in although you know we're selling season tickets and things like that you still you you know we're not playing a a football game until october so you know money is is hemorrhaging out of the football club but they're doing it so it gives us the best opportunity on the park to get back to where we want to be now that's not a bad thing if anything that should be encouraged by the, the people who run the football um, in, in this country. Instead, it's you're you're being punished for doing it. And then you've got these clubs who are coming out and, and they're you know they're they're poking fun at Hearts, criticising us, saying, "Oh, it's it's an unfair advantage." Well, I'm sorry, but it's because you voted us into this league in the first place. That's why we're simply fighting back and trying to get ourselves back to where we belong. Nothing to do with having an unfair advantage. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not Hearts' fault that they could afford to go back to training as early as they could. I mean, a lot of clubs just physically can't afford to, just with the lack of income and having to take players off furlough. But that's not Hearts' fault, is it? 
at the end of the day, people talk about that. It's just like um, yeah, an unfair advantage. You could talk about an unfair advantage of Celtic and Rangers having 30-odd million more pounds in their clubs than the rest of the clubs in the country. I think I think I think we're the club that people love to hate, really. Um, simple as that. And um, I think it, it probably stems back from the early Romanov days. But what what the SPFL and the SFE have done here, um, basically, is just bring back bad blood between the, the club and and you know these clubs and and the governing body. Needlessly, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's just really really frustrating because we've. We've started again. We've started with a clean slate. Got a new manager in, a new coaching team. We've signed players. We've we, we've managed to get rid of some players. We've accepted the the, the the previous decision. We thought, right, let's just get on with it. Let's start again. But but all this just bring brings it back to a head. And you know, and instead of coming up with a situation where, you know, we can, you know something that suits everyone where they can say, you know, listen, we'll, we'll go down to the Orion tomorrow. You might have to stop training for one day just while we go for these checks. We'll make sure everything's okay and you'll be fine by Monday. But to stop arts training for an entire week is complete and utter nonsense. And that just that just brings back all this bad blood between the club and the SPFL and the SFA. And it just, um, you know... It just shows a lack of judgment from them, and clearly there is an agenda when when you narrow it down. Clearly there must be, um, because otherwise, you know, no other club is getting treated as unfairly as we are. And they can try and spin it and say it's not about Hearts, it's not about it. It's about Hearts. It's ridiculous. Um, so the the damage and the fallout from this is going to last for a long, long time. Is, is there a feeling quite a lot of the time that the SFA and the SPFL are, are always playing catch-up, David? You know, they, they, they never seem to be at the forefront of what's going to happen. Like, they've not set out any rules. It seems as if they're making it up as, making it up as they go along. Yeah, they're very reactive and not proactive. Uh, there seems to be no clear guidance for anything, really. They had no plan uh, in place for uh, if something like this were to happen. They kind of just hit the panic button and just came with the first thing that maybe came to their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and also, I've seen in the Premier League that they've put in legislation for this season, if something like this is to happen again, I very much doubt the SPFL and the SFA have thought of doing something similar. Uh, and, you know, there's, it's just so, such a lack of consistency from both groups, you know, that just from uh, cancelling the league early but keeping the Scottish Cup finals playing, this whole thing with the training and also the fact that even though we are still in the semi-finals we've not had a, a month's extra training compared to the other three clubs in it and that's maybe you could uh, point to that as an unfair advantage um and it, you know what you, you do really fear that whenever there is a problem arising in scotch football because you just don't know what's going to come out they get the tumble out they pick out uh, two pieces of paper that have got something on they go aye that'll do that's a new rule why don't we enforce this so yeah uh, you, you know they, they don't have a clue. Simple as that. And I think we've known that for a while, and I think it's starting to become clearer and clearer that that's the case. It's not good for Scottish football, Gordon, this, is it? You know, there's not a... It just shows you how unorganised they really are. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame, and it makes me sad, um, because, you know, I still believe in Scottish football collectively. You know, I think there's there's some big football clubs here in this country, Um but we do nothing to help ourselves, you know, and, and it drives fans away from the games. And, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that, that crowd numbers will go down even further, even when football does return. Um, because although you could, 
you can argue and say, oh, people have really missed it, so the hunger will be there to come back. People will also say to themselves, well, I've not had, I've not been in the match for about six months now. Do I really need it in my life? Would I be yeah. that arsed if I go back again? Now, we're not under, under, under that. You know, we're, we're missing it, but... I, I, you know, people I've spoken to and the things that, you know, you can you can understand it, they'll, they'll look at the money that they've saved and things like that and they'll go to themselves, is it really worth it? Yeah. You've got to have a product that, that brings supporters back and supporters in. And and the, and the thing is, you know, football's more than just, you know, going to the match and, and that's it. You know, you go home, it's, it's the lifeblood of communities, especially in a country where, there is a lot of deprived areas and there's a lot of deprived towns and things like that. Um, the, the the football clubs are the hubs of the communities. You know, Gorgie and and Easter Road and and, and Leith. You know, they're they're beacons of these communities. And then you know you go a little further in, uh, you know, Fife and you've got Dunfermline and Wraith Rovers and uh, and Cowden Beef. You know, and, and all these sort of smaller kind of towns. The the football club is the the epicenter. Of, of everything. It's the same when you go down south in England, but the the, the, the difference between us and England is, uh, you know, England actually invest in their game right from the top all the way down. They invest in their game. They invest right at the bottom. And, and we don't. And we, 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 you know, fans have been calling out for years for bigger leagues, more competitive leagues. Instead, we just pander to a really shite Sky deal, um, which offers us nothing. Um, but we're told that this is the best we're going to get, and that ultimately that that comes from from the the people at the top of the game. There's no ambition, there's no leadership, um, and the whole COVID situation has just highlighted that even further. And the, and the thing is, you know, who, who who changes it? People have been calling for you know reconstruction of our entire game for years. Who 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 goes in and does that? I mean. Does it come from someone buying into Scottish football? What what happens there? You know what I mean? We we don't know. That's the issue. These people have such a grip on our game, and slowly, and well, maybe not not slowly now. I mean, it's probably speeding yeah. up the process. Scottish football's heading for the grave, and um, it's sad. You make you make, a, you, make, you make a very pressing point there, though, Gordon. I mean, when the, the League Cup was a a competition that was you know it was kind of boring. Do you know you, you played knockout from the start of it? And they sort of change it with the group stage, given it's now getting a wee bit boring now, the group stage, because you find out you actually end up playing the same teams every time you are in the group stage. But they only changed that because there was a TV deal for it. BT yeah, wanted absolutely. that. absolutely. They, they, they pander to these TV deals. And the thing is, as well, you know, they, they chose Sky over BT. Now, BT's coverage was a lot better than Sky's. I mean, Sky can't even... They don't, don't you can't even tell the difference between Dundee and Dundee United. But you, you guarantee when the Premier League returns... They'll have like a 15-minute start to the game where they'll maybe talk to two managers. Uh, you know, you'll have like three Arvair breaks, and they'll maybe like discuss like how many corners a team takes in a game, and then they'll start the game, and then you'll have your half time, and then you'll have your five minutes after the game, and then that'll be it. Where BT, you know, they're like an hour before the game starts. You know, they they actually had really engaging pundits who knew what they were talking about, and and it was it was really refreshing. It was really good to listen to. They had their preview shows and things like that, and they didn't just choose a game because it was you know Celtic and Rangers playing. They chose a game uh, on the basis of that it was going to be an exciting game. You know, yeah. where Sky it's just whoever Celtic and Rangers are playing away from home. Yeah. But then, um, but then you could argue that, 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 you could argue with that though, Gordon. You know, I, I watched that Aberdeen St Johnston game. 
we'll bring David in on this. I watched the Aberdeen St Johnston game and with no fans there, just glad the crowd noise was in because, my God, it would have been dire. But the thing is as well, just just before David comes in there, uh, in regards to that game, you can understand why that that, that was a a dead rubber game because you had an Aberdeen team that had hardly played when they hadn't hadn't kicked the ball in two weeks. These teams haven't had proper pre-seasons and things like that and there's, there's no crowd there. But, but it's not it's not just that. I mean, if you have a crowd back at an Aberdeen St Johnston game, it probably would be a totally different game. I mean, look when Hearts went there mm. and we took three thousand fans. Yeah. It was a three three draw and the atmosphere was really good. If you can encourage supporters back in to, to the games and you have stadiums that are fuller and the atmospheres are better, you'll get better you'll get a better standard of football on, on the park because yeah. but that's why, you know, players talk about how they love coming to Tincastle because the ground's full and the atmosphere's really good and it bring you know it bring it brings out the, the best in them. Aye, listen, of course you're still gonna get shite games, but you'll get that down in England as well. You know, I have been to the big stadiums yeah. at like Newcastle and and um, you know, your Anfields and all that. And I've seen some really rubbish games. But ultimately it, it, the, the the biggest thing for, for the league is getting these grounds full again because if you've got half empty stadiums or in this case empty stadiums of course it's going to be like a training exercise it's not going to be the same um and i think that's something we should focus on david what do you think yeah um i agree i mean i I actually disagree with you on the fact that the crowd noise helped i can't stand the fake crowd noises i've hated so much if I, i try and find any way i can to turn it off it's horrible it's like the shittest version of a FIFA crowd noise you'll ever hear. It's terrible. The only, the only good one that I've heard is on BT Sport when they do the European games. At least it sounds like, same, if you looked away, you'd maybe believe for a second that there was a crowd, but it just makes it stupid. The game was awful. It was terrible. I had to turn it off at halftime. I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, oh, brutal. But um, I, I, I agree with uh, Gordon on the fact that BT uh, clearly took a, a proper interest in the product up here. I mean... Every week, Sky find a way to take the piss out of Scottish football by just being clearly incompetent. I mean, the, I mean, I, Dun, they've had Dundee and Dundee United mixed up for five years. Why do they even have a picture of James McPeak? They are they have been in the top flight for two years. Why do they have a picture of him in a Dundee suit? It's ridiculous. Um, even that time, so the, time, the one that pisses me off the most was Paul Merson doing his fucking Super Six, and it was Kelly. <laughs> Dundee when they had a Dundee United badge about all. No, take, oh, take five minutes to just do some research and yeah. um, the pundits on Sky are brutal albeit I do like Ailey Barber on and I think she's quite a good presenter but even then the pundits they get well, when, when they had Ali McCoyst on for the Aberdeen Aye, game that was good yeah that was enjoyable yeah and then they brought Walker back for the Shelley game oh, yeah I think you get I think you get good value with uh, with Ali McCoyst he's, he's very very Aye, good on it you can uh, it makes it it makes it interesting to listen to but his co-commentators might give some insight in a game mm-hmm. and that that was the thing with bt sport you had sutton being devil's advocate and trying to play the controversial card then you had craig in, um, and sometimes mccoyst uh chipping in as well and that and there was actually a, a discussion about the tactics in football not just repeating what you've just seen to someone you know so sky they have what they have this for five years is it yes yeah years? four yeah. five years yeah. i mean would you have taken BT's um, less money? They didn't. They didn't offer as much as Sky to mm-hmm. get their coverage. I know we've talked I mean, about this before. Yeah, you probably. You, I mean, financially, you're going to say no, aren't you? Because yeah. at the end, they they want the money. But I mean, 
for, for, for viewing figures and everything, they'd probably go up because people enjoyed BT's coverage. Yeah. Everyone did. It was clear to see. Yeah. Nobody then, wanted Sky to take over. Yeah. And then the league becomes more popular, surely, if yeah. it's got better coverage, covering it all the time. Because folk are, sick, folk are getting sick of Sky anyway. Even people down south aren't getting sick of Sky's coverage. Because it's just the same every week. At least BT try and change things up and change the format a little bit. And it's it's interesting to watch. So, Sky, the, the, the only thing that I think Sky does well is their boxing coverage. Yeah, that's and that's their golf good. and their golf. Their golf's pretty good. Yeah. Um. The, even even the English Premier League stuff it's isn't okay. what it used to be. Nah. It's not. You know, it's not not great to listen to. And the thing is, I like sort of Roy Keane, and, and I like you know I like when he, he's on the and, and Gary Neville. So I like Gary Neville and all. But when Liverpool won the league. That was ridiculous. Oh, I mean, they had the studio red and everything, and the Arvert when they were playing Crystal Palace or something like that, and it was a montage of you'll never walk alone, and and them just scoring goals throughout the years that had no relevance to this league season. Right. Things like that are just ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? No other broadcaster in the world would behave that way. Even Crystal Palace called them out for that, and rightly so. Yeah, exactly. It's disgraceful, honestly. Disgraceful. Oh. I personally thought that the coverage was quite good, to be fair, oh, of them winning the league. But of course, it, that that it, of course, I'll give you a bit of insight here. David is well, a Man United if it was fan, any other club, and uh, if it was any and other Gordon, no, yeah. and Gordon is an Everton fan. That's the English teams. I mean, my English teams are relevant to to Liverpool. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're irrelevant. It's Liverpool. I would say that if it was any other team and they behaved that way, it's not just because it's Liverpool. <laughs> I just think that was shocking the way they done that. I mean, imagine you're a Palace fan and you're sitting there watching that. But I mean, they done it for Leicester. They done it for they done it for Man City. They, they, they never done they anything will do it for like Man that United for when they next win the league. No, they won't. They will not. No I chance. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think Sky do an ample coverage of. Don't. All the winners. But listen, let, let me tell you something about Sky, right? No, no, no. Let, let, let me tell you something. About, skip this one point, then, right? This just highlights them, right? Everton were going for the top four under Martinez. Do you remember it? I think it was like about five years ago, five, six years ago, right? They, they, they had all the managers' faces that were in for the top four. They had Wenger's, they had um, whoever was at Spurs at the time. I don't know if it was Redknapp or if it was Pochino. Anyway, and they had, um, you know, like Man United, David Moyes was there or something, right? They had all these faces in the race for the top four, except Evans. Guess who was fourth at the time? Everton, and there was only five games left or something, and they had the race for the top four, but they had everybody's like face there who was in the race for it, except Everton. So don't try and tell me that Sky are, are there, you know, inclusive and, and they're there for everybody and all this crap. It's, they're just as bad as anybody. It, it's nice to see you're not bitter about that, Gordon. Um, we I'm will move on. Man. We will move on and talk about things hearts. We're finished with Sky. Um, we've appointed a new CEO. Andrew McKinley, formerly of the Scottish Football Association and Scottish Golf. Gordon, you listened to his interview on Hearts TV, if I'm right in saying? Yeah, he came across very well, I thought. Um, I thought his, his interview was good. Um, I think his role primarily will be to take the pressure off Mrs Budge because ultimately, and I've said that this should happen for a while because she's getting to the stage where she's making too many kind of blunders and things like that uh, well we are in the championship for a, for a reason but I think she's done the right thing and I mean you see kind of the impact it's had on Hibs when, when Petrie, there was a lot of pressure on Rod Petrie um, mm. he took a step back and um, and Dempster came in and I think this will be a similar sort of thing you know I think that I think McKinley will be the, the figurehead now 
he'll be the man that, that, that tends to, you know, you hear from. He'll be the face of the club, and I think I think um, Anne will probably take a step back, um, which I think I think is the right thing to do. Um, having Jeffries on the board as well, you yeah. know, it, it means that you know now that there's a bit of structure there and there's a bit more um, decisions that, that can be made better. I don't think everybody's just singing from the same hymn sheet. And um, you know that this guy obviously he's he's, he's worked at, at the with the SFA, so you'll know how the the game works up here. Um, and I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll do a pretty good job. Hopefully, you know he'll. Um, I think he's been brought in ultimately to, to take the heat off Ann Budge. But I think as well he'll you know you look at his experience. I think he, he done a lot for the, the the golf in this country, and I think golf's one of the best run sports in in the world, especially in this country. So um, ultimately, he's he's no mug, and hopefully he can come in and and he can he can turn the turn the fortunes around to the football club. It's effectively, um, David. Um, it's effectively going to, as Gordon said, take the heat off Anne Budge. I mean, it sort of gives Anne Budge um, sort of scope to sort of look at things more strategically. He can stick to the business side of things and, and let the day uh, the day to day will be McKinley. Mr. McKinley. The sort yeah. of outlook will yes. be. Mrs. Yes, Budge. exactly. Because I think and I think she knows that as well. She she's at her best when she's dealing with things in the background. So uh, yeah. I think uh, I think this will this will pay off pay dividends in the next couple of years or so for the club. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly I, I think generally though I mean we, we just hope that that you know um, he can come in and and change the club's fortunes because we've been heading in the same direction for a long time now and I think you know and it's quite refreshing now that we have and I, I take confidence from this that we've got you know new figureheads at the the top of the club but. Mm. Even from a coaching side, you know, it's almost like the entire previous coaching um, coaching teams out now. You know, yeah. the players they were giving them feedback and they were saying that they they, they found that you know there's a, a big difference, but it's a it's a positive change and a positive difference, and that's that's what it needed. You know what I mean? You needed to get these old coaches out, all Levine's pals, and and I'm sorry, listen, former players and things like that. You know, Andy Kirk and stuff. Got a lot of time for Andy Kirk. He was a favourite of mine as uh, growing up, but you know I still think the club needed a fresh start and needed to bin them. Same way, you know Liam Fox as well. Good luck for the future, but ultimately they were coaches during one of our worst periods um, on the park. Um, so yeah, needed to go. It's good that we've brought these guys in now. There's a freshness to the to the club. Um, there seems to be a you know there's a a better feeling I think. Um, right through it and I think that's what happens when you bring new faces in I think um, hopefully from top to bottom it'll have uh, the impact that we all hope So Gordon, a few outgoing players um, your, your views on that? Yeah, I think clearly the squad needed to be trimmed um, I've, I've said plenty of times before that I'd, I'd be happy to see every single one of them go I'm, I'm not going to shed any tears on, on any of them going because ultimately the, the squad as a whole has um, has been a failure, but I think um, you know I, I feel a bit for the Uch because I think he's he's a player. There's there's not many players like him. He's big, he's strong, he can play a bit, uh, he's quick, and and you see the impact he, he's had, especially in the big games. He's a big game player, so I think he you know he, he could have done a job this season. But ultimately, if Hearts are getting money for him, same with with Connor Washington. I think Washington could have done a very good job. We we didn't get they didn't get the opportunity to see. Washington anywhere near his best because his his injury ultimately hampered him. But I think overall 
he 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 adds a lot. And I mean, you see his performance against Rangers and and particularly Easter Road, what sort of player he could be. So it, it is a shame to kind of lose these guys. But ultimately, when you've got a player like Liam Boyce and you've got Nasey up there, they they they're more than you know enough to to get us goals. And um, as Washington said when he was leaving, you know, even the best manager will struggle to get him Walker Nasey. Um, you know, and 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 kind of the the same team. Um, so I think ultimately these cuts needed to be made. They were on big wages. Um, it's a shame, but at the same time, it gives the opportunity for us to cut the squad down, get back to the Premiership, and then we can look at adding more quality in these areas. But um, yeah, listen, I've got no, I've got no issue with Uch. You know, I think he's, uh, I think he's done. You know, I think he could have done a lot better up here, which is, is frustrating, and you'll be frustrated. But you know, the, there was a lot of kind of heat put on him because there was no other strikers up there with him. Um, but I thought when he he, he did kind of um, play, especially in the bigger games, you know, against Celtic and against uh, Hibs and stuff like that, he he, he done pretty well. And um, you just look at the start that he made. I thought he was excellent when he first burst on the scene, and then that injury I think just just hampered him unfortunately. But I think there's a player there. Um, and I wish him all the all the best of luck uh, down south. Yeah, you you you'll get to play down in Wickham with um, Akin Fenwa as well in the championship. <laughs> what that will be some strike partnership, I have to say. Um, few players potentially coming in, David. Um, we've already signed Jordan Roberts. Um, I'm and a, f- a few other midfielders potentially. There's a lot of talk about the wide areas. Yeah, I think it's an area Hearts have been really thin on and quite weak in the last five or six years especially since Nielsen left we've not really had a proper winger that we've enjoyed watching or has been uh, consistent and really really good to be honest um, I heard that he wants to sign another striker personally for me if the rumour is true I'd love it to be Jason Cummins I know that obviously he was an ex but let's be honest he would score goals in the championship he's done it before he's a proven finisher and you know we need a little bit of a bastard up front that we've not had for a while um, so yeah but Look, I trust Nielsen in the transfer policy now, now that he's not got the shadow of Levine hanging over him, telling him who to who to maybe pick and choose. And so so far, I mean, he seems he, he know. I think he knows exactly what he wants this season as well. I think he knows the areas that needs to be improved, and he's right in saying I'm winger. Probably now with Suter now re, well having a relapse on his uh, Achilles yeah. injury, might need to think about another centre half. Probably will need to think about another centre half. But uh, I've got a lot of faith in, in, in Nielsen in this transfer window, and I'm sure he'll get uh, get get at least probably 80-90% right, which is probably one of the better success rates of a Hearts manager in the past 10 years. Yeah, because there's talks of, um, obviously with John Suter being injured, there is a talk of um, New Zealand international Tommy Smith potentially in talks of the club. Used to play for Ipswich, wait and see Yeah, I, I read about him today. I, I, I didn't particularly know him, to be honest with you, but... Um... Same, pretty decent track record. I think yeah. uh, even before Suter getting injured, I said Hearts should go and sign in our centre half because um, ultimately I, I think John Suter's too injury prone. And I think this this injury now that he's got it's another it's a snapped Achilles or something. It's had a relapse, um, yeah. You, you know you struggle to come back from them, and and when you're only doing it in training, and you've done it twice, you know within six months, then yeah. I think you ultimately have to say that. Even at 23, your career's on a sugarly peg. So, um, listen, John Suter should, if he had stayed injury-free, would probably be playing down south by now and he would be a regular Scottish internationalist. But I think, unfortunately, um, 
his career is at a crossroads, and um, I think he'll, I think he'll struggle to come back from it, unfortunately. So I think Hearts need to to plan for that. Yeah, we can support these guys as as much as we possibly can, but ultimately we've got to do what's best for us. So um, Berra's not the answer. You can't have a a a, a back two of Berra and and uh, Halkett. You just can't. I think I think there needs to be another centre half in there. I'd rather have Haring in midfield. I don't want him back at centre half. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, I think we need to get the right the right uh, signing in a solid centre half, and you know, I would look at the future and try and get a, a, a proper uh, steady partner with Halkett. Because um, I think this is a time to, to to try and build a team and plan for for the future. I think we should try and look right now at getting that that team. Uh, on the park that's you know it's going to be the team for the next three or four years and then you add bits of quality here and there and then you go from there and yeah. because it, hearts have got the makings of a good team I mean, uh, they just need to to sign players in, in the right areas like out wide and a bit of creativity because we've got goal scorers we've got de- uh, decent central midfielders we've got a really good goalkeeper a really good up-and-coming goalkeeper and i think now we just uh we need to add a wee bit more stability at center half and then out wide we're going to move on and we're going to talk about getting fans back in, in the ground. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, streaming games and, and stuff like that. I know a lot of the away games will probably be on the BBC Scotland channel on um, Friday nights, but we kind of want to get fans back into the ground. I think that that's, we've, we've talked about this with other games in the league. You know, you want to have fans at least partially in the ground. What are our options here? There's been talk, a lot of talk about Murrayfield. You know, is that an option? Would we be happy going to Murrayfield with ten thousand fans? I, I, well, I think it would be more than ten thousand if it wasn't Murrayfield. I think we could get the as many season ticket holders in if, uh, as we needed to. But I have a sneaky feeling that you know things are moving a little bit more quickly than than maybe we we thought they might. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while there, it was looking bleak and it didn't look like we were going to have any fans in. But the fact that the government are already talking about test event as, as early as next week that uh, the, you know the, for, for the rugby games and then Celtic are talking about having a test event and getting supporters back in so you know you, you could talk about having these test events over a period of time over September and maybe by the time October comes along it might be the stage where where we can get you know fans back into the games um, maybe not necessarily at full capacity but larger larger amounts of supporters so that that's positive um listen hopefully we'll get to state because I, I think football needs needs the fans and i think sporting events and you know and even music events and things like that yeah we understand why you know we had to to stop them but ultimately i think it needs to get to a stage where we're we're, we're bringing these things back and i think the fact that gyms and pools are reopening again i think that says to me that you know they are we're a step closer to, to sporting events and things like that coming back because surely if you can go to a swimming pool and and swim in a pool with people, then surely you can go to the match. Um, so, yeah, I can understand, you know, obviously why they don't want large large groups of people coming together, but I think ultimately the the, the public have showed that they, they, they have, you know, apart from a small minority, most most people have, have um, followed the government guidelines and I think an element of trust has to be put on the supporters and football badly uh, needs to come back and all sporting events need to start coming back and um, it's good that they're talking about these and hopefully it'll be before October not saying it will be but it'd be great if it was 
I mean, do you, do you think do you think the the championship will have the well, Hearts will have the facilities in place if we can't get into the ground to you know, stream the games, David? Is is that is that the next best thing? That we'll get our yeah, games. Streamed? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean that, that's the problem, especially with the lower league clubs that will be able to actually feasibly do it and have the money to afford doing the streaming services. Well, we all know the Hearts most likely will, and they'll do it. Um, but yeah, streaming probably is the next best thing. But I think, as Gordon alludes to, I mean, if they're already talking about test events now, uh, then the likelihood of fans being back in at least before the end of the year looks pretty promising. You know, yeah. people's well-being is like you say. People might not think that it's it's important to get fans back into football grounds or to li- live music events or to or to you know mass gatherings outside. If there's a point where that is allowed and it's safe and everyone knows the risks involved, then I think it should happen. Like I said earlier, you know the, the football clubs are the beacons of communities, and it's not just going to the football for for people; it's it's their lives, and um, you know ultimately people's mental health is you know is affected by you know this this entire pandemic. Even the strongest of people uh, are are struggling, and and I know you know people who are not maybe football fans might look at it from the outside and go, you know, that's not a priority, football shouldn't be back. But it's a big thing for people, for thousands of people, millions of people in this country. And um and they need, you know, they, they need they need something to, to look forward to. And I think bringing the football back um is is huge. And I think the the boost that it would give people um again would would be massive. And I think the government understand that. Okay. And I think they are trying their hardest. You know, I'm not um not going to get any politics or anything like that in this show, but um, uh, you know we'll give give credit to the Scottish government and that they are they are doing all they can um, to to try and get football back and yeah. um, you know safely for for everyone and uh, and hopefully it will be sooner rather than later. So one thing I would say is the government have been pretty consistent in everything that they've brought out in terms of getting football back and stuff like that. The information's always been, you know, it's always been really good. I think. Um, Certainly, with with the Hearts situation as well, which we talked about earlier, you know they said Hearts are fine to train. It was actually the governing body, the SPL, that told us the SPFL that told us we can't train. So they have been consistent, and you know, I I think it will be definitely socially distanced. That's why you know I think Murrayfield is a fantastic option. You know, it's a sitting stadium that's empty half the year. We may as well utilise it and get as many fans in as possible for the games. And of course, the Betfred Cup draw was um, last week. Um, we got drawn with um, Inverness, Cowden Beef, East Fife, and uh, Wraith Rovers. Three teams for Fife. I don't know how we end up in the, the North draw every time. Um, it just seems like the same games as the, the years before, though. It is, but it's a pretty good draw for us, though, and it's one that we should should come through pretty easily. Um, you know, you would expect us to get maximum points from, from these games. Um Obviously, again, the Inverness game, which you know you could you could argue would be the banana skins at home, um, Wraith Rovers and things at home as well. Yep. Um, so we've just got to go to East Fife and uh, and Cowan Beef. So we should we should really be looking at picking up, um, you know, 12, 12 points from from these these games and and getting through the group. So um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I, I don't want us to be in the stage where we're finishing second in our group again. Because we're losing a bloody penalty shootout, and we're having it, you know, we're getting a, a difficult side in the in the next round. Because ultimately, the cups are still hugely important, even though Hearts are um, in the lower league. You know, we should still be looking to try and win these competitions and get to the latter stages. 
Uh, I think we're certainly good enough to do that. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a good opportunity for us to hit the ground running and um, and get some points on the board. And uh, and hopefully if we can win our first few league games, and then that sets us up nicely for the, uh, the semi-final against the, the, the wee team. Does the League Cup need a, a revamp again, David? I mean, the, the sort of... I alluded to it earlier. We always end up playing the same teams. I don't understand why we can't play yeah. a team from the south. Yeah, I know. I I agree. I, I I mean, I know that they kind of brought in the whole north and south thing because obviously the cost of some of the, the lower league teams yeah. up north having to travel down south all the time would probably but hamper them. If they get hearts or they're travelling down anyway. We've had we've had bloody wraith rover. I feel like we've had wraith rovers every campaign. You know, it's so boring. Like you I say, and this. And this is the thing with the seeding and unseeding as well. Like the whole seeding thing just means that you are restricted in the number of teams you can play uh, in the, in the draws and, and in the, the round sixteen when they still do it. So, yeah, I, I think it does need a revamp. I mean, the idea, like we said, was was good when it was implemented, what five or six years ago now. Uh, but like that was really down, wasn't really their choice. If they had, if, it, if they had their own way, it would have been kept to just like it is down in England, just a classic knockout. Uh, till the end so yeah, it does need something but uh, I think for now we'll take the easy draw for the time being well that has been a bumper show um, we did get through a lot there um, thank you both for joining me this week um, and until next time goodbye <laughs>